Today's podcast is brought to you by Blue Canary. The bird has landed on beautiful Bainbridge Island, conveniently located at 499 Madison Avenue. ASE Master Technician Clint Ramsey brings over 15 years of experience, award-winning diagnostic skill, and a desire to reinvent the automotive repair experience. Schedule an appointment online at bluecanary.biz or call them today at 206-451-4220. I'm Maria Metzler, the Executive Director of Helpline House. The global pandemic has affected us all differently. If you or your neighbors need food assistance, mental health counseling, rental assistance, or parks and rec vouchers, please reach out. Helpline House can help in many ways. Find us on the web at helplinehouse.org. It's what we do. Neighbor helping neighbor. I got something for your mind, body, and soul. What's good, Podcastville? You found the Bystander Podcast. Today, we are talking wildlife with Dan Chedwick. Hi, Dan. How you doing? Hello. Doing well. And Lindsay, I, I don't think I caught your last name. Uh, Wellfelt. Wellfelt. Mm-hmm. That's a great name. I like that. <laughs> Lindsay's a biologist with the Fish and Game Department, and Dan is a captain with the Fish and Wildlife um, let me start with that. Dan, where, where are you stationed in the in the state? I'm a captain for Region 6, which is the entire west side of, uh, well, west side of um, the canal, basically. Um, just start with Bainbridge Island and go west, so the whole peninsula there. Um, main office is out of Montesano, Washington, and um, been a captain now for just over six years, and uh, been with the department for just over 21, so... We have wow. a very large and diverse region, and um, it's been a lot of a lot of fun, a lot of challenges, and uh, cougars can be one of them. <laughs> when you're in that capacity at, at your job, what what are the type of things that you do on a daily basis? Well, I wish I could say I have um, a lot of fun, but now it's it's at the policy level, and and uh, and and I get out in the field. Let's just say not as much as I wanted to. When I took on this job, I thought, ah, I'm the boss. I can, I can, I can go in the field whenever I want. But uh, this this region again has a lot of challenges, mm-hmm. and uh, a lot of wildlife, a lot of fish, and um, a lot of competing priorities. So, is there a lot of violators in the state? <clears throat> Excuse me. I, there's there's violators everywhere. I mean, it, yeah, that's true. I mean you. How you, how you put a um, how you decide whether there's a lot of violators or not? I mean, I don't. It's 
that's a moving scale there. So um, I, I would say there are, unfortunately, um, but uh, and, the, and there's just not an, a lot enough of uh, our officers out there. We're always looking for more. We're always needing more, We're always asking for more. And um, <laughs> kind of a solitude type job, correct? It is. We are um, out there alone a lot of times. Um, we're in some very remote places, backups often an hour away or more. Hmm. And then you throw in the coastal environment where officers are offshore in a, in a vessel and backups a long ways away. So um, luckily we have our Coast Guard counterparts that are, are watching over us too. But uh, for the most part, um, we're on our own and we have to think quick on our feet. Lindsay, tell me a little bit about um, your experiences with the department being a biologist. Yeah, so um, I am the assistant bear and cougar specialist. So I work um, statewide um, and do kind of all things bear and cougar. We do research projects. We help, um, you know, write the management plans, help make recommendations towards different policies Um, so we do a lot of field work. Um, we're doing a research project right now. Um, I'm working in King County today. We're um, doing bear work, um, going to dens, stuff like that. So that's kind of, we're all over the place. What are the, when's the breeding season for bears? Um, in like the early summer, June. Okay. And cougars? Cougars can breed year round. So cougars, um, it's going to peak kind of in the summertime and then they'll have kind of a peak in when kittens are born, you know, around August maybe, but um, cougars are a little different than most species where it they can occur year round is just an induced. So if a female loses her kittens, um, she can breed again fairly quickly. How long does a, a kitten stay with its mom? So they stay with their moms for about 18 months. Um, hmm. So similar to bears, they both kind of do that. Um, so, but for a cougar, a cougar might, by the time it's 18 months old, it's going to, or even, you know, 14 months old, it's going to be about the same size as its mom. And a male cougar might even be larger than its mom at that time, but they still don't really have the ability to hunt on their own yet. And so they stay with their mom for that long. Cause even though they're pretty big by then, they have to stay with her and learn to hunt for quite a while before they can actually make it on their own. Now, I, I'm going to have to dispel a lot of things that I, I may believe or not believe or have heard down the road. Do bears eat their own sometimes? Um, so a male might try to kill um, a, some cubs oh. of a female. Um, they're probably, they're not going to kill their own cubs, but a male might, um, try to kill the cubs of a female, um, and then try to, try to breed with her. So they'll stay with their, you know, if a female comes out of the den and has cubs with her, she's not going to breed that year. And so a male might want to kill those cubs so that she, they can breed with that female in that June. All right. That's kind of, kind of horrible. <laughs> it's a rough world out there so <laughs> so dan when you were out in the field in the real fields how often did you come around and uh, actually see cougars they're nocturnal correct 
Yeah, for the most part. I mean, they are observed during the daytime. Um, I I'm grew up in the outdoors and, and I can say I've, over my, I even say how old I am now, um, over my lifetime, I, I've observed two and not during work. So um, in, in the wild without, you know, capture or something like that. So they're elusive. I mean, if, if you, uh, if you see a cougar, you might as well go buy a lottery ticket. It's uh wow. Is that rare, huh? Yeah. I mean, I'll just ask you, how many have you seen? Yeah. Um, <laughs> a couple old ladies maybe, but no, uh, real cats. <laughs> so yeah, exactly. So they're, they're elusive. You don't see them very often. It's pretty exciting if, if you get to see one. Um, yeah, it's kind of exciting to see, you know, on social media, there's so many different viewpoints about cougars and there's been some sightings and a lot of people have those ring cameras now. And this being half rural Island, there's some trail cameras as well. So we've actually, I've actually seen footage of this cougar in the neighborhood, you know, and it got so close that it was near one of the schools. And that got, that's when it got a little uh, frantic over here on the Island. Um, Lindsay, when, when somebody says, oh my God, I, I saw a cougar today. What's the kind of protocol once you receive that call from uh, somebody in society? Uh, so that's more of a question for the captain. Um, they're the ones that respond to those type of things. Um, so I'll let him go about it. But okay. for us, I mean, it's seeing a cougar in itself is not a public safety concern. It's not necessarily a concern for anything, but I would you know, have the captain answer that one. Sure. Um, so if we get a response or a, a call for service like that, we're, we're going to respond to it and um, check, check out the perimeter for the school and just calm everybody down. Right. So mm -hmm. if, if I had, I'll just say, if I had my children at a school and there was a cougar sighting, I, I wouldn't hesitate. I wouldn't be a, a worried about them going outside and playing. Right. Um, but it goes back to the supervision, right? Um, right. Schools are your, go ahead. Schools are often going to um, keep the kids inside, call us, we'll respond, and um, the officer will, will, will check the perimeter and make sure that the cat has moved on. And oftentimes that's all it's doing. It's just moving through the area, and, and again, somebody sees it. And oftentimes it's not a cougar that they see, and mm. it could be a yellow lab or – or a bobcat even, or just even a house cat. So we do also have our Carilion bear dogs. I'm sure a lot of folks have heard about our Carilion bear dog program. No, we have one me. of them in our region. And um, oftentimes we'll, we'll use that animal to do a perimeter search of the, for any scent that the animal may have left behind, the cougar uh, left behind. So we'll do a quick cursory check of the area and make sure that it's clear and uh, let school know they can resume normal operations. Okay. So there was what five to eight sightings of this cougar in different locations on and around Bainbridge Island. Is that about what, where we're at? Yeah. I th yeah. That's about five, I believe. Yeah. You guys have a really cool thing on your website. Um, cougar sighting tracker. That I, that I found and it said the exact spots of the island that 
these these were seen and, and such. And I thought that was kind of cool. Um, a plethora of resources on your website for sure. Um, why do people hunt cougars? I saw that I was looking at your website today and there's a hunting season for cougars. And I was just like, I've never been in a restaurant and ate cougar meat. Um, <laughs> I don't have too many um, sightings of a cougar stuffed in somebody's den or house. Um, do some hunters just go out for the, the pleasure of it and to help scale the cougar population? Go ahead, Lindsay, if you want to take a... Um, yeah, so I mean, I, I think everybody has their own reason for why they do it. Um, some people absolutely do eat cougar meat, um, but not everybody does. Um, they definitely also use them as trophies. So they'll stuff them, put them up in their house. Um, you know, everybody has their own reason. I mean, it's also one of the few hunting opportunities that we have in the winter. So it's a nice time to get out, um, for people to go that like to go track animals through the snow, like to stalk them, follow them. Um, you know, that's enjoyable for a lot of people to do. Now, what is the predatory behavior of a cougar? So cougars are going to be stalking and ambushing animals. So they are going to be occurring in areas where there's dense cover so they can hide and then they'll stalk something and then, um, you know, ambush it. Now, is it true that they don't overeat and want to watch their figure and they will half bury a carcass and throw some sticks over the top and come back later? Yeah. So they will, um, once they kill, make a kill, they will, um, usually pull it out of the way, move it from where it was. If it, if they need to, um, they'll cover it with dirt and sticks and whatever else to help preserve it, um, help kind of keep the stink down. You know, when the bears are out, bears might come and take them if they leave them, but they'll feed off of that carcass for, you know, up to a week or so. Mm. Yeah. There was a fawn killed on, um, the South side of the Island last week. And, um, it looks like it was dragged into the road by a bunch of coyotes and they got the whole pack munching on it. People were all, all up, up in arms, but it seemed like the cougar had killed some sheep and some goats on the island and it looked like he, well, I don't know what it looks like, but is it possible that a cougar hunts for enjoyment too? such as they, they see a moving object and they want to just chase it down like a, like a house cat would. I mean, there's the possibility, but they're not necessarily like surplus killers. I mean, I know people like to think of animals like that, but they're going to hunt to eat. And some you know, of them, I think they would, you know, they would jump on a lot more things if all they wanted to do was catch stuff and kill it. So deer's their favorite, Correct. And beaver, what else do they like to eat? Goat and sheep, of course. <laughs> yeah, if it's available and easy to get. Um, so yeah, deer and elk are going to be their main source of prey. Uh, beavers here in Western Washington, mountain beavers here in Western Washington, I know they will eat um, uh, bighorn sheep in Eastern Washington, uh, stuff like that. Usually just large, large mammals. And do they eat it on the ground? They carry it up in the trees or do they do both? No, like you said before, they'll, they'll cover it up and leave it usually on the ground. 
Okay. So Mountain Goat, right? Um, there's a huge project. I, I believe your department took over um, relocating mountain sheep in Washington State. Is that correct? Mountain goats, mountain sheep, what do you call them? So there's two. So there's mountain goats and there's bighorn sheep. Um, we did move a lot of mountain goats off of the Olympic Peninsula. So they weren't native to there. So, uh, and we're causing some habitat destruction. So the agency was moving them out of that area. Usually what, that's a little bit higher than cougars would normally be, but there's no reason why they couldn't take one of those as well. Now, where does, where do you take those goats? Where's their new habitat? So those goats got taken to the Cascades. So that's kind of mm. their normal, their normal range. And they were released several areas throughout the North Cascades. Dan, uh, on that type of process, was there, how do you finance that? And uh, is there inherent dangers of moving these goats to your workers? Well, that project um, was, was, uh, ma mainly um, in conjunction with the wildlife program there. So I don't have a lot of information on, on that goat relocation. It wasn't part of our, my enforcement program. So um, I don't have a lot of information for you to give. Yeah, Cause I, th I thought I heard that one of the helicopters that was transporting it got into some trouble and crashed. Is, is that something you recall at all? I don't have any information on that, he pleads uh, the fifth, people. <laughs> so yeah, I didn't hear anything about that either. I know that. I mean, a lot of them were taken out of Olympic National Park, so obviously, I think the Park Service was involved pretty heavily on that aspect. And then our our wildlife program was also helping them with that. And so, the Department of Fish and Wildlife, we have our our programs, our fish program, wildlife habitat um, enforcement programs, all part of it. So kind of our own shops in, in inside Department of Fish and Wildlife. All right, Lindsay, this is the home run question that I want to answer. Mm -hmm. So three-parter here. A um, lot of debate on social media about the cougar sighting and what to do. Some people want it euthanized. Some want it relocated. A lot of people want to just coexist with it. And just, hey, bring your cat and dog in the house, hang out in groups, just be smart about it. Um, what is you guys' responsibility and what's the, the good thing to do in this situation? And if you were to catch this cougar and are you actively trapping it, what would you do with it if you did catch it? Okay, so... Um, A lot in there, sorry. You can just take <laughs> yeah, pieces out fine. of it. <laughs> and I'll help you. <laughs> yeah, uh, Captain has, I know, some aspects of that um, down a little bit better than I would. But um, so basically, this animal, because it has depredated on some small livestock, it's our policy um, that we would lethally remove this animal. Um, if it had just been observed on Bainbridge Island and, you know, been killing deer and doing its kind of normal cougar thing, there isn't really any other reason why we, you know, we might want to relocate it, but we might just let it do its own thing and move on, which it probably would do. Um, the island's only about 65 square miles. So 
Um, you know, there is some habitat on there, but it's 65 square miles is really only the size of like a small female cougar home range where a male would need like two to three times that space. And so it, you know, the island itself could support maybe one cougar for a short amount of time, but eventually it's, you know, it's not going to be able to support a, a breeding population. There's no resident population there. So eventually that cougar would normally just move on. So if it hadn't caused any depredations or something like that, I would say we probably could just leave it alone and it would move on, or it would be an easy one that we could, you know, move into a better spot where it might do a little better. Um, But because of this depredation issue, that's a policy that we have to follow, that enforcement has to follow. um, And that's where we are kind of at this point. So it's a bad cat because it, got domestic animals? Well, so it, it showed up in an area where those type of foods were available and it's going to take advantage of that. And so that's something that, you know, even if we do lethally remove this animal, that's not going to prevent it from happening again in the future. So people need to be aware that cougars and bears, you know, might occur on Bainbridge Island. And so to prevent this from happening again in the future, need to take steps to, you know, keep their livestock secured. And so that if a cougar or a bear or, you know, even a coyote or a bobcat comes around, it's not going to have this easily available food source. So obviously this cougar can swim (laughs) because we live on an island. That was news to me. Um, Cause I don't think somebody brought it from the circus or the zoo and just dropped it off here. Um, and now it, in Bremerton, a short swim through the channel. It, it's been sighted over there. Apparently how far can a cougar swim? And is it something that they do often or just seeking out more food? What, what made him decide to swim over to our Island? So cougars are, big time dispersers. So they grow up in an area with their mom. And when they're about 18 months old, especially a male is going to disperse. So they might travel, you know, 150 miles, just following prey, following forested corridors, and then end up somewhere and decide to go there. So it's not unusual for a cougar, especially if it you can, you know, can see across the channel and see that there's something over there. It's probably not going to just swim out into the into the ocean but if it sees that there's something over there it's probably going to go check it out and say hey is this someplace that I want to be is there food here are there other cougars here because it doesn't really know at this point so they're just out there looking around trying to figure out where to go and um, it turned out that you know there was food there and there was some security and decided to stay for a while do we know I don't think that they've like anybody's tested to see how far they'll swim but um, I know people have seen them um Swimming across Lake Chelan, swimming across uh, Lake Whatcom up in um, Whatcom County, which is a pretty big lake. So they'll do it for sure. And do we know if this is a male or female cougar yet? I don't, I don't think we do know. I think that everybody expects that it's probably a, a young male because those are the ones that are going to be traveling around um, and doing, you know, most of the long distance dispersals, but it could potentially be a female. They will occasionally go look around as well. And cougars are solo animals, right? They breed, dad takes off, 
quick divorce. Kid hangs out for a year and a half, takes off to college, and then they're pretty much by themselves, correct? Yeah. So for the most part, they're going to spend most of their time by themselves. Obviously, like I said before, females will have their kittens with them. So a lot of times you'll see, you know, three cougars that all look about the same size. So it looks kind of like, you know, cougars hanging out, but that's just going to be a female with kittens. They might occasionally kind of come together. Um, You know, females home ranges will overlap their moms and maybe one of their siblings. And so they might come together for a very short time if there's a big carcass or something like that to, um, to feed. But for the most part, they're going to be solitary. Family reunion, huh? So are they like a domestic cat where they can have multiples, multiple children? Yeah. So they're going to have like usually two or three. Hmm. Okay. Um, now that it looks like it's left the island, does that euthanization status change at all? Like he came uh, in, got some lamb chops and took off. Yeah, it, it does. So any, any uh, wildlife that we respond to dangerous wildlife, if you will, that's what this is a policy we're working under is a dangerous wildlife response. Mm-hmm. So any, anytime we respond to dangerous wildlife, we look at the actions of the animal. And so in this case, we had three depredations happen um, within a month and we were trying to trap on the island there and try to, to, to capture the, the cougar at that time while it had current depredations. Mm-hmm. And then here we, have, we haven't heard of this cat on Bainbridge Island proper, Bainbridge Island, not talking about where it's possibly swam across, maybe left the island, but um, the last report on Bainbridge Island was January 27th. So um, we have had some sightings uh, west of there, across, across the pond, if you will. And um, there is some speculation that possibly it could be that cat. And we have had some sightings. And just a sighting alone, we're not going to respond necessarily, unless it's that school example you talked about earlier. Um, so to circle back and answer your question, yes, currently it, it kind of changes what we're, what we're doing right now is just monitoring. So if there was another depredation, we would respond and act, follow our policy again, which is um, capture it, talk to our, our conflict folks, our wildlife biologist, Lindsay, her staff, and determine the best course of action. But again, likely on a depredation, we we will uh, lethally remove that animal. So it's not absolute. It's case by not case. Absolute. We, we have very um, knowledgeable staff. Our officers are trained. You know, we have our, like I just said, our conflict folks, our wildlife biologists. And we, we work through decision making pretty quick on, on the course of action. But again, we're guided by our policy that if it depredates, if it's a public safety issue and we can capture that lion, a cougar, um, and it's depredated or is creating a, a public safety risk, we'll lethally remove that. But if, if there's some factors that change that, um, we're quick to adapt to it and, and make different decisions. So the actions what, of the animal determine our actions. What does a um, cougar trap look like? Our cougar, our live traps are, are big box traps. They're, they're big metal cages. They're, um, um, you know, picture a, 
a cougar easily walking into one of those. However, they're not that successful. They're the, just like any trap and cougars are, are wary. They're smart animals and, and trapping one takes quite a bit of skill. So, you know, we set that trap up three different times and didn't have any success with it. So, um, our, our best success at capturing cougar is, is with hounds or, or, you know, if, if we can find the right, right scenario or Carilion bear dogs on a leash to, you know, a pack animal is the best, best tool for capturing a lion. So that would look like a bunch of dogs and somebody tracking with a rifle. And that's kind of the best way to catch the cougar. Yeah. And if we, if we do respond where, where we have a depredation and we do um, call up a houndsman to bring, bring their hounds in, our officers go with them. So we're right along with them when, mm. when this is all happening. Interesting. And on Bainbridge Island, it's not conducive to running a pack of hounds. It's just, it's too populated. And so that's why the trap was deployed in these situations. So Lindsay, about how far does a cougar travel throughout the course of a day? Um, I mean, it depends on the day. Uh, so like I said before, you know, their home ranges might be for a female, like 75 square miles and a male, you know, 150 square miles. So Ooh. they're going to be traveling throughout. Yeah. They've got really big home ranges. So they're gonna be traveling throughout their home range, you know, over a week or so, or 10 days, they're going to be kind of, especially a male, they're going to be just kind of going around their territory, making sure no other males are going through there. Um, so they can travel around quite a bit. You know, if it was a female with kittens, they're not going to be moving around as much. But for any solitary cougar, they're going to be traveling several miles a day. And so, you know, any cougar, you know, if the cougar did leave Bainbridge, there's really no saying where it went and where it is right now. So there's really not wouldn't really be any way for us to know to know where it was. Um, it's not like we've caught it and been able to tag it or anything like that. Gotcha. And how fast can cougars move? They can, um, they can sprint really fast. <laughs> I can't think of the number off the top of my head. Um, they can sprint really fast, but they're like, you know, a hundred yard, they're like a, you know, like a sprinter in the Olympics that does like the 50 or hundred yard dash. They can go really fast, but for only just a short period of time. So, um, they're going to be in the cover and ambush something really fast, but they're not going to chase anything down. What are some of the rules that people should have when walking around and, you know, just the cougar care? Like, I understand we should have big groups. I shouldn't run up a tree. I shouldn't dangle my love handles at a and say, hey, want some? Um, what are some of the precautions that we can take? So I always, you know, advise people that really no matter where you are in Washington, you're going to be in potential kind of bear or cougar habitat. And so you really want to be aware of your surroundings. Um, you know, if you see any tracks, if you see any dead animals, you're going to want to avoid those areas. Um, you know, don't put your hood up, especially at night. Don't, if you're going on a run, don't run with your earbuds in, um, be, be able to listen, be able to be aware. Um, I'm a really strong proponent of bear spray. I carry it with me all the time. Um, pretty much, much no matter where I go, um, hiking around 
I see cougar tracks and bear tracks all the time because I'm always looking. But um, yeah, so that's something that I would definitely um, support people, um, you know, carry it, know how to use it. Um, there's lots of tools online on on how to properly use bear spray. I heard you should you should not run, climb trees, and maintain eye contact as you slowly back away, kind of be in groups whenever possible. Yeah, so I would stop, you know, wave your arms, appear large. Usually once they know they've been seen, they're going to try to go away. Um, and, you know, obviously it's if it tries to attack you, you're going to be wanting to fight back as much as you possibly can. Yeah, you know I'm going to fight back. <laughs> I'm not just going to be a Scooby snack. <laughs> what yeah, they can climb, both bears and cougars can climb trees like you wouldn't believe. So. No, I believe. And are really fast. <laughs> Definitely not something, you know, running. Obviously, it will kind of trigger that, you know, this is the a prey. Prey drive. Yeah, you don't want them to think that you're prey. So talking, you know, if you have a whistle, um, a lot of backpacks these days have kind of whistles on the buckles on the chest. Um, so loud noises do deter them. Yeah, they will. I have one of those little uh, air horns because I've run into coyotes a lot because I'm outside so much. Yeah, and, that's a uh, great one. That seems to work really well. Um, we have pretty dense coyote population here as well. If I can get off topic for a moment, what are the predators for coyotes? Like what was that? Cougar. Cougar. <laughs> uh, wolves will kill them. Uh, you guys don't have wolves yet. Um, or maybe ever. Uh, not, you know, people. Okay. Um, how's, how's funding going for the, the program? And do you, are you guys getting enough tax money to do everything that you want to do? Um, is cougar sighting something that takes a lot of resources? If you were going to go out and, and try to trap, is that a lot of resources as well? You know, it's, um, it's, it's all about our officer time. And, and like I mentioned earlier, we, we, we just simply don't have enough officers um, with all the competing priorities that we have. But when we have a cougar depredation or a public safety issue, I mean, that's, that's number one priority that we're going to respond to. So We'll make it happen and um, um, and do what we can do to to uh, mitigate this the issue here. But uh, as far as funding and, and all that, you know, we we always have our hand out. Ask for more off <laughs> everything else, right? So it's like yes. any agency. So that's a reminder. If you like this show, please mm -hmm. tell a friend and subscribe on Patreon support the show so we can get more good content like this um podcastville you've done a great job in supporting about 130 podcasts like this um very unique situations in a, a very beautiful place of bainbridge island olympic peninsula kitsap county king county on and around seattle Lindsay and dan i really appreciate your time um hopefully this clears up some things and last question before we go, if somebody wanted to join your organization and had interest in um, fisheries and wildlife, where's a good place for them to start? And where's your biggest need as an organization? Well, I, Lindsay, go ahead. Oh, um, you know, 
<laughs> we, uh, you know, if it's in terms of volunteers, we have stuff on our website. We have employment opportunities on our website. I started, you know, my job just as a tech, you know, for three months at a time and, you know, through school and experience was able to work my way in. Um, but we, um, you know, love to have more people, love to have a more diverse workforce, and we're always looking for more people to join our team. What kind of volunteer opportunities are there? Is that like beach cleanups? Uh, what? Um, so, you know, I don't, it depends. I think there's usually lists on the website for like specific tasks. I know I had a friend whose mom one time volunteered to drive sharp tail grouse across the state because they were translocating them. You know, there's all sorts of different things wow. that come up. I think with COVID, a lot of our volunteer stuff might have um, slowed down a little bit just because of the a little bit tricky, but we're always looking for people that want to help. Yeah, grouse is a neat bird. There's there's one flock on the island, um, really beautiful uh, private farm adjacent to the Grand Forest. And I see 30 or 40 grouse out there, and they're all having a good time. But um, that's something I grew up. My family hunted a lot of, of grouse. That was their chosen bird. So don't see them enough, though. They're cool birds. Yeah. All right. Jim, for, for enforcement the, uh, and, and for all of our programs in WDFW, we have, a, we have a website just like everybody, and they can find all the information they need. You know, like if they're interested in, in my career, which is a great career. I highly recommend it. Um, we, uh, we have our enforcement um, link on there, and we, we have a Facebook page, department Facebook page, enforcement Facebook page. And they can go on there and, and uh, start the process of, of researching who we are and what we do. And, and, um, and then my email's on there. Anybody can go on there and email me. And, um, you know, when we get through this COVID time, we can start picking up and, and our writers, our writership. We have a lot of uh, young, young folks that are looking to get in this career. We'll take them out on a ride along. Oh, cool. It's like, so, um, the website, I would say, is the first place to start looking. And I just had another question pop in my head. How many phone calls did you get about this cougar, approximately? Um, in what? Did you just get the five sightings and five people called you, or did the phone not ring uh, or it started to ring off the hook like it's Cleo's helpline or something? Yeah, I mean, we had the depredations, and then um, and then we had a few sightings, and I can almost guarantee you there was a lot more sightings that were unreported that you know people had on their game cameras, whatever. Mm-hmm. And um, you know, we we hear about that all the time where cougars are spotted on game cameras, and they're not they're not causing anybody any harm, and we don't need to respond to those. We'll keep track of them, and uh, we'll report on them where the sightings are. But again. Most of these cougars are are just doing what cougars do. You you seldom see them, and uh, they're not causing any trouble, and and that's the way we like it. And that's hopefully what this cougar has decided to do now. It's not causing any trouble, and it can just disappear and be done with it. I think he had some opinions about the people here on the island, and that's why he left. <laughs> 
That number is, tell me if this is the correct number in case you do see a cougar. Is it 877-933-9847? Or is it 360-902-2200? Because on most social media, those are the two dominant numbers that kept popping up saying you must call them. You must call them and report this. Yeah, I mean, um, I don't know why people would say you must call and report this, but um, you, you don't have to report every cougar sighting you see. I mean, it's not not something that we need to respond to, but we'll keep track of it. Just like right now, these reports will that we have on the sightings on the on the west side, mm-hmm. we're calling calling up trying to get a confirmation. If somebody has a video, we'll confirm it that way, and then we'll put it on that. Um, report tool that you came across, which shows where all the cougar reports are and can track. Cool. All right. Well, Lindsay and Dan, I appreciate you coming on to the bystander podcast and talking a little bit. It's kind of gone cougar crazy here because everybody's it's COVID times and they have nothing to do, but look at their computer and, and talk cougar. So the discussion has got thousands of threads. So it's, um, disarming to hear both of you talk and that uh, we can just move on from this little cougar visit and uh, say goodbye. <laughs> so, yeah, thank you both for your time and I wish you all the best and I hope this weather changes for the better so you can be outside in the woods enjoying it in all its glory that the PNW brings. Yep, absolutely. Thank you. Thanks for having us. My pleasure, Lindsay. Thank you, Dan. You've been listening to the Bystander Podcast. Be kind.